welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast. Oh, wait. It's the Horror Club Podcast. <laughs> yeah, because we're counting down the entire way to Halloween this year. And we're in our 80s slasher month. And Miss Boo, this week is my pick. It is. How excited are you about this? Oh, very excited. Because last week we did A Nightmare on Elm Street, which was your pick. Because it's by your favorite, uh, Wes Craven. Exactly. And this week... Uh, we get to do Sean S. Cunningham's classic, Friday the 13th. The first one. The first one. The one that doesn't have Jason in it. That's right. But you still insist that all of our media has Jason in it. Because that's how everyone, uh, you know, associates Friday the 13th with Jason. So, don't come at us when you see the pictures. Jason just looks cooler versus Dean in a blue sweater. Well, you know, you don't know that. I mean... It would go very well with your eyes, but I think you look cooler as Jason. Thank you. But that's kind of interesting. A lot of people tend to forget Jason's not in the first one. I mean, he he is, but not like actual Jason. Not the way that we know him through pop culture. Yeah. And this is a interesting film, to say the least. Yeah. Especially in comparison to the rest of the franchise. I mean, like, you know, Jason X. Uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah. Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. But yeah, um, I'm wondering where you want to get started on this one, because Friday the 13th is a, a very storied kind of film. Well, can you tell me what was going on in 1980 when this film came out? Well, what was going on was The Empire Strikes Back was dominating with 180 million dollars at the box office i don't know why but whatever but right behind that okay trekkie yeah yeah yeah, live long and prosper but right after that we have dolly parton's nine to five number two at the box office your hero dolly as she can do no wrong and then airplane leslie nielsen one of the best comedies of all time and friday 13th made a very respectable showing that year making 60 million dollars Pretty good for a horror film. Pretty real good for a horror film that I think only cost him like five hundred grand to make. Yeah, I believe so. Which that was nineteen eighties money. Money meant something back then, kids. And um, when the film got released, wait, no Bitcoin in the eighties? No, no Bitcoin in the eighties. Also, Bitcoin has ruined the. What would you do to get rich and famous if you went back in time? Everybody's just like, I don't know, go back ten years and just buy all the Bitcoin I can get. Only gotta wait ten years and you're you know Bezos rich. Yeah. But the other thing that's happening this year is the Oscars and the first Razzie Awards. You know what the Razzies are? Yes, I do. The, the Oscars for bad movies? Yes. Did you know that this film, Friday the 13th, was nominated for the worst film at the first Golden Razzies? Really? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, when they saw this movie, panned it critically because mm-hmm. they were like, this is just a ripoff of Halloween. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of is, let's be honest. Oh, definitely. I mean, you get cues from different movies like Psycho, Jaws. So, this is my second time seeing the movie, so I feel like I kind of saw more things this time than I did the first time seeing it. Yeah, and this is probably a reason why a lot of people, or a lot of critics really didn't like it, but audiences love the movie. It made, yeah. It made a bunch of money. It made money hand over fist. Yeah. But critically, everybody thought it was kind of garbage. But then a bunch of sequels came out, and eh, the franchise kind of just got polished over. But we're not talking about the whole franchise yet. We're just talking about this movie. 
the first one to start off the franchise. The first one to start off the franchise. And the birth of this franchise comes from Sean S. Cunningham, who came up with the film Friday the 13th after working with Wes Craven on Last House on the Left and seeing John Carpenter's Halloween and calling up his friends and saying, hey, let's rip off Halloween and make a horror film in the woods. In New Jersey. In New Jersey. And he was also under a lot of pressure to make something successful because he'd worked in softcore porn for like 10 years and made zero money outside of it. So he had to do this to save his career. This comes out and saves his career. And yeah, that is the rough and tumble story of Friday the 13th, the year it came out. And it's being made, more or less. Yes. But, yeah, where do you want to actually get started talking about the movie? Well, why don't you tell me, or not just me, tell everybody the plot of this film. The plot of this film? Yeah. Well, okay, so at Camp Crystal Lake, Alice, who's played by Adriana King, and her crew of, you know, horny camp counselors, prepare the camp for the coming summer, but, you know, things take a dark turn when a mysterious stranger emerges from the woods in her mom's sweater and perfectly coiffed hair and starts picking up counselors one by one and soon only alice is left to face off against pamela Voorhees, the deranged killer who's been killing them to take revenge for the death of her son jason well yeah she's a scorned mother and we're just coming off the 70s and into the 80s where hairspray is important so of course it's going to be a perfect quaff perfect quaff it's, it's actually not like a quaffed haircut i think i was just memeing but yeah. you know betsy palmer's in it she is so. And this was actually her first film that she had done since 1959. Yeah, I think she was the second choice to be in this because the original actress uh, dropped out because she basically she found out what the movie was. Yeah. And Betsy Palmer was like, it isn't enough to get me a new car. Eh, screw it. No one's going to see it. That's like universal for the throughout the entire franchise. Yeah. These movies get critically panned, but they just make money in spite of themselves. And everyone who's worked on them is like, you know, I don't think I'll, I'll, I don't think I'll come back to this one. I don't think uh, this was a good, good, you know, career decision. Mm-hmm. Which you know, I mean, Betsy Palmer true. also, not like recent, recent, but recently passed away. And mm-hmm. up until her death, she was still going to cons and conventions and yeah, apparently doing photo ops. Everybody loved her. Well, I think she was just surprised the horror community attached onto this film so much, or attached on the franchise even. Yeah. Which is really weird because this movie is not that good. Can I say that? Is is that sacrilege to say the first Friday movie is not that good? Dude, Friday movies are yours, so yeah. you can say whatever you want to say about them. Uh huh. Well, in in your humble opinion. In my humble. Opinion? In your humble opinion, this film. I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoy some of the later movies more. Mm-hmm. Around like the three mark, I you know really start to enjoy it. But th- then again, that's when we really get Jason in his true form. Yeah, we get hockey mask machete Jason. Yeah, but the but this is the first one though. You you can one. you can admit like you can enjoy it and it's still bad. I think we've yeah, had these deep conversations before. And, and I love the the twist. You know, after seeing so much of Jason as a costume or decor going into the very first one for the first time and thinking okay i'm gonna see him at some point and it's not him it's his mom Mm -hmm. and it's you know i love a good twist in a movie and that's kind of interesting because i i'm going to assume most people who are gonna seek this movie out know of 
the Friday thirteenth yeah ish. Like they know Jason Voorhees at least. You know, yeah. hockey mask, serial killer, machete, right? I think people going into this assume like Jason's the killer and if they know that oh his mom's the killer in this one, they still assume Jason's there in some capacity. Yeah. But he's like not. It's just like kid Jason. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating, but let, let's actually just talk about the movie. Okay. So. Where do you want to jump in? Well, I like to talk about the plot okay. right away, and this one's kind of hard because it's been called a Halloween ripoff. As we said, it's not really hard to tell because it plays beat for beat like all like John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah. And my question to you is, do you think there's anything unique this movie's doing other than Halloween? Or is it just real, like, superficial stuff? Just, like, changing the setting. And that's basically the only big change? No, it, it has its unique qualities to it. It's not, you know, like Halloween where we have the one killer who is just on this vendetta, never talks, and basically feels immortal. Versus this movie where we have a scorned mother who, you know, can give a punch, but she can't take one. She got, you know, she got rocked a couple of times. Yes, yes, she got rocked a, a few times. Yeah, but to jump, you know, way to the end, she does die. Yeah. So it's not like Halloween where, okay, we think we killed Michael Myers this time. And it has that those famous John Carpenter ambiguous endings. Yeah. This one, we know she's gone, but then the story takes another turn and leads us into the franchise. Yeah, but this this movie, I almost feel like it's... It's um, the perfect template for these kind of slasher movies because we know that after this, the slasher movie boom is in the 1980s, right? Oh, yeah. Like, that's that, that's basically what happens because um, I remember we talked about this in a Scream episode where John Carpenter's Halloween comes out in 76, 78? 78. 78 basically invents, like, hey, this is what a slasher movie is is yeah and then friday 13th comes out and it's like okay guys this is like how you make a just paint by numbers boiled all the plot characters off of everything this is how you make a slasher movie and then 84 and we get we get freddy who's more complex but a slasher well we get freddy who's more complex and a slasher but really what that innovates is hey your slasher villains can have personalities yes which let's be honest here Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees have no personalities. They are death golems rampaging. Freddy has a personality. Yeah. And those are, like, the three most influential things to happen. And then, basically, the rest of the 80s is just every year we get, like, 17 slashers. Which, I minimum. mean, we missed out on a good decade. Well, here's... Well, that's the thing. They all got really bad. I'm not gonna lie. I've watched... Um, have you ever seen Prom Night? With Jamie Lee Curtis? From... Yes. Yeah, it's not... It's That movie's really bad. Yeah, I, I didn't enjoy it. I, I actually like the remake from, like, the early 2000s. Really? Yeah. I, I like that one more than the original, but love Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, I mean, I, I had to watch that movie and write a paper about it. The original one? The original one. And it's... Okay, That I'm not going to say it's unwatchable, because Jamie Lee Curtis is a way better actress than that. Yeah. But it's not a very well-made movie. And that's kind of the problem with a lot of these slasher movies. I'm not going to say Friday the 13th is a poorly made film, because, you know, everything's in focus. The camera works dynamic. The yeah. character, the actors are doing their 
darndest to deliver these lines. And, and they also you, got Kevin Bacon. And you have the legendary Tom Savini. You also have Tom Savini who's doing the effects. So at minimum, it's going to be a good-looking film. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why the Friday movie, this one, worked so well when it got when it got released. And that's why it kept going. Was, wow, this actually looks... This is really comfortable. It looks generally better than the other slasher flicks coming out it looks better than prowler for for one mm -hmm. and yeah but i guess back to the actual plot because it just kind of went on a tangent there uh, we go on tangents sometimes i know but this plot is like super generic right yeah any any comments about this generic plot here things that are happening or is it just we we things happen and kids die and then we get to the end of the movie and the fact that the kids were going to stay there for two weeks until the actual campers came. Yeah, that sounds just, about right. That's just like, yeah, I'd be freaked out staying in the woods. You only say that because you know what Jason Voorhees is. This was 1980. There were no, The only camp movie we had at this point was Meatballs. You and your Meatballs. It's a great movie. But yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of the problem talking about the first Friday movie yeah. is because... There's not too much substance to it. Not really. In um, Nightmare on Elm Street, there's a little bit more substance because you can read, like, themes and other things yeah. into it. In this, it's almost like the biggest theme is the morality play yeah. of, oh, don't fool around, you're endangering this, blah, 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 they, you know. Yeah, the no sex, no drugs, no drinking, but we only really get sex in this movie. There's no alcohol, there's no... They're smoking grass. Are they? Yeah, yeah, when they're playing Monopoly. Oh, that's right. Strip Monopoly. Strip Monopoly. I forgot. Yeah. See, that's the other problem. This movie is like hard. It, it, it's, um, how do you, how do I put it? Uh, things happen in this and it's really easy to forget the order in which things happen. Yeah. Because everybody remembers the opening yeah. where, you know. Where they're singing Kumbaya. Singing Kumbaya. The two campers go up into the loft or whatever and then, oh, somebody comes in and kills them. Oh, mm. scary. And then people are like, well, then there's a camper going in. She gets got in the woods and then... She gets the warning, oh, you're going to Camp Blood. You shouldn't go there. Yeah, and then there's shit happens and then, oh, Alice finds a bunch of bodies. Yeah. And that's that's the movie. Yeah, The plot much. of this is, is pretty paper thin. Yeah. But the characters, though. The actors. Yes. Who all regretted being in this movie. <laughs> All of them except um, the actress who played Alice, uh, King, she apparently really enjoyed being in it. And also young Jason Voorhees, Ari Lehman. Yeah. Well, I how mean, old was he when he did that? He had to been like, what, 15? 12, somewhere in that age range. I mean, he's in a band now where their mascot is basically Jason Voorhees. Um, he actually, literally calls himself the first Jason. Exactly. He's uh, the first Jason on social media. I actually got you a signed Ari Lehman mask for this past Christmas. Yeah, it's sitting up on my on uh, one of my shelves over there. It's which is really cool. It's actually a really cool gift because I I'm a big Friday the Thirteenth fan, but uh, again, like the first Friday movie is not exactly. Uh, it's not. It's but not Citizen Kane. It's not Citizen Kane, but it's you know, it is the first movie mm -hmm. and it is the first Jason, and it's kind of cool to see that even though this film isn't you know oh spectacular you know let me stand up and giving a standard standing ovation it's a good movie he's <laughs> he loves that he's the first jason yeah i i keep going back to that because i don't i don't think this is actually a good movie but it's a fun movie and i think there that there's a core difference there 
because it's fun because oh it's really tropey everything you can you can paint by numbers this plot yourself mm -hmm. and there's a couple of interesting little homages to other things yeah. in this there's like a, oh there's like a psycho riff going on instead of it's the son killing everybody it's the mom well, she's that, talking to her son while she's killing people that and also when the killer's coming or there's a murder in, in process they're, they're, you get the strings from yeah. psycho uh when someone's being hunted you get the like the da 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 from jaws mm, there's, there's a lot of interesting like rips that are yeah. going on here so it's a very like comfy movie is mm -hmm. that a, is that a Thing, you know slash movies are just like comfy because you know how they work yeah i think you know part of as part of the horror community that's kind of a thing with us where we we know all the signs and all the plots so yeah it's easy to go in and i know what's going on i know what's gonna happen basically you never really have to worry about oh this is gonna get like really weird and it's gonna take a turn yeah. you're not gonna expect because the the really simple films and this is I don't want to. I don't want to be an asshole about it, but this is the most simple of slashers. That's still like, like okay. Yeah. Like it's not a. It's not a great movie, because the acting is good enough, but mm -hmm. it's not. No one here is winning. Is winning an Oscar. an Oscar, right? Like we have Kevin Bacon in here, and you can tell he probably read the script like five minutes before he showed up. You know, you're looking at a lot of these actors and you're like, they're trying their level best, right? But there's not probably a lot of depth to the script they've been given. But does Kevin Bacon have the coolest kill of the film? It's so cool. They repeated it like five times in the franchise. Yeah. They and literally it's, it's, steal it in the next movie. And it's rough watching it too. It looks really good. That's something about this movie that we should talk about is the effect work. Okay. So whenever you're ready... We'll jump into that. So we'll just talk about it right now. I don't have to, like, stop. Yeah, the effects work, boo. Come on. Tom Savini, who's probably the the godfather of the of the gore effects at this point. Definitely. Because he did Dawn of the Dead, Friday the 13th. Uh, he did Day of the Dead. He did a lot of those Romero zombie flicks. Yeah. Uh, he did arguably the best Friday special effects. He did this one. He did part four um score of stuff and in this it looks it still holds up pretty well yeah i mean there's I, it might be a thing where technology got a little too good it might it's just it might just be because my tv is better than a 35 millimeter projector from 1980 in a crummy theater so you can tell some of the yeah. skin blends aren't exactly right but probably on film this looked like cutting edge right definitely and i mean that's how time goes we live through stuff and oh this is amazing and then a decade or two later it's like oh wow this is way better than what we saw a time and a half ago but yeah some some look kind of cheesy mm -hmm. like uh the throat cutting in the woods the mm -hmm. very first kill oh because you can tell that it's like yeah. uh, a skin patch yeah you can tell that it's you know layered there so you're able to tell that's not her real neck but mm -hmm. like the one with kevin bacon that's a great that one kill. holds up really well yeah. yeah uh the axe in the forehead not really really i thought that one held up pretty good it because it's such a simple effect i was like yeah that, that doesn't look that bad no you could tell that it's you know <laughs> plastered pieces of fake skin there yeah, of course of yeah. course I mean, it's not as bad as uh, Mrs. Voorhees' head getting chopped off, and you can tell it's like a, a sex doll head. My favorite 
going with her getting her head chopped off is the fact that she tightens her grip, the grips, or her, her hands. She just like tightens her hands, like, "Ooh, damn you! You defeated me." And you can see the little toothpicks that were holding up the fake head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying this this movie is uh, shoddy, but there's there's some quality control issues here. But eh, it's whatever. I mean, Sean S. Cunningham, he was a he was a director who had a little who who had worked before, but again, most of his work was in the softcore or exploitation genre. Yeah, he he wasn't making Hitchcock films, right? No. I mean, this is probably the closest he's gotten to making a Hitchcockian thriller. Somewhat, yeah. You know, but uh, I got a question because Cunningham he makes this movie. It's his first real big movie. And like Wes Craven last week, you know, came to the conclusion that what made Wes Craven unique as a director was he was able to look at the psychology of his characters and villains and then kind of kind of roll with it. He was able to, like, look a little bit deeper in his characters and villains and play around with that. Yeah. And then Cunningham, on the other hand, this is the only time he's actually been a director in the franchise. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've seen the whole Friday franchise at this point, yeah. right? What do you think makes him unique as a director in this film versus the other films? Hmm. I think it makes him unique because of how simple the story is. Mm-hmm. Because once we start to move along in all the other Jason movies, the story gets a little bit more complex. Each director really makes it their own. But this one is the first one, the most simple uh, revenge story, a vendetta story. Mm-hmm. Versus Jason's just going to town, killing everybody because it's summertime. Yeah, I mean... I would never argue that the Friday franchise is very, like, complex, but they do get more ludicrous as they go on. Yeah. Where it's like, all right, Jason died in the last movie. How do we bring him back? Well, we're going to have to stick him with a bolt, a bolt of lightning, Frankenstein him back. Uh, exactly, and that's the complexity know. that I'm talking about, that it's never just, you know... It's never something simple. No. It, yeah. It's got to be, you know what, he's dead, but I'm not sure that he's dead, so I'm really going to kill him. And then, boom, lightning, and then Frankenstein's back. And then there's a psychic girl in, like, part yeah. seven. They go to Manhattan, he gets dumped with toxic waste and turns back into a child. Then I mean, there's the one where he, he's he a, a hell larva in nine. I mean, Jason takes Manhattan, he does have that, you know, sweet death where he knocks the guy's head off and it lands in a dumpster. Which, cool. which is really good. I like yeah, that one. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. And that's, that is probably a really good thing for a director to have is to know when to keep things simple yeah because this movie is simple i think that's the problem with us right now trying to find stuff to talk about is Mm -hmm. because unlike a lot of the other movies we've talked about recently there's not really a lot a lot here there's not a lot here but i think what i really like is the pov of the killer that we get in this movie Mm -hmm. i like that we kind of get that psycho feeling like we're seeing psycho halloween where we're seeing what the killer's seeing mm-hmm. and we kind of get it in the next couple of movies in the franchise but i feel like this one is really strong and we're following this person and it's always the question of why is this person offing all the the counselors yeah and it is interesting because i think it goes to the what i said about the camera work in this movie is because it's looks a little new hollywood is like a lot of handhelds and you do really feel the pov when they choose to use it. Mm-hmm. it it is used to good effect and i think that just comes with 
Sean is Cunningham seeing Halloween a lot of times. Yeah. And sorry to keep going back to it, but this is a really obvious Halloween rip, and it's a little hard to ignore. And go Halloween. Yeah, yeah, go Halloween. Love Halloween. We know you love Halloween. And uh, I still go back to really, to really enjoying the Friday the 13th franchise. This is this isn't my favorite. Which is your favorite in the franchise? Out of the whole franchise? Out of the whole franchise. Mm, I got a soft spot for part six, Jason Lives, because mm-hmm. that's the most like goofy one. But if I had to say which one was the best one, probably like part two. Part two. Okay. Where it's potato sack Jason, mm-hmm. or or maybe even yeah, part two. Part three. Uh, part three would be like right next to it. Okay, if I had a, if I it was like personal choice, it's like part six, part two, part three, four, one, and then the rest are just piled in there somewhere. Yeah. Like I ain't gonna lie, like like eight, seven, and five are not that good. Nine's legitimately a horrible film, mm-hmm. and then Jason X is more just campy fun than anything else, and then ten, and then Freddy versus Jason is let boo you watched that the other day i did and it is that a good movie by in any stretch of the imagination it's not but it's a fun movie that's yeah that's where i would put it with jason x it's fun it's not that it's not a good movie and that was actually the first movie that i saw with jason in it really yeah actually i gotta i gotta ask you because i grew up with the friday Mm -hmm. series like that was my uh go-to slasher thing that we had had a hold of um, I believe I said Nightmare on Elm Street. That's kind of the series that got me started because mm-hmm. it was just the easiest one to get a hold of. Yeah. Um, I watched Halloween, obviously, because that's really like foundational if you want to learn and watch horror flicks, especially slasher flicks. Yeah. But Friday the 13th movies, I watched those fuckers on repeat for mm-hmm. like ever. Well, but you just never got a chance? Never got as interested? Or... No, I just never really had a chance and... If they were on, it was mid-movie, so it's kind of like I'm missing a good chunk of the story, and since there's so many Friday movies, it's like, okay, I really don't know what's going on apart from this guy is, you know, hacking everybody up. Mm-hmm. So I really grew up with Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger. That's that's kind of interesting, because I feel the Friday series is the easiest to jump into. Yeah. With, um, with Halloween, I feel... I, I think I said this before. It's like Halloween is a is a uh, D tier series with an S tier movie in it, mm-hmm. being the first Halloween. Yeah. But the rest of them, there's that steady decline of them being like shit across the board after after like part three. Yeah. And then with um, Nightmare on Elm Street, it's more like a steady decline. Like the first movie is like S tier, then it goes like like a a really deep C tier, then it's like oh B B C C mm-hmm. D D F. They, it's a slow decline. Yeah. With Friday the 13th, I feel it never goes above a B or a C grade movie, but they're all that same quality. Yeah. Like, from, from end to end, they're all the exact same levels of good and bad, and if you can dig it, then you can dig them across the board. Yeah. And, they're, again, they're not that complicated, so you can jump in and watch any of them. I think the first Friday movie I ever watched... Was probably actually part six. Now that I think about it, that was probably the first Friday the Thirteenth movie I ever watched when AMC did their countdown to Halloween or yeah. whatever. 
I think they would show every Friday movie from every Halloween movie. Yeah, it would, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hellraiser used to be the big one every year. I remember they would do those. You love Hellraiser. I don't actually. Hellraiser, unironically, if we're talking, okay. You know how I said um, Halloween is like oh the first one's an A tier movie and then the rest just drop drastically to like D tier. Hellraiser is like oh first one, fucking S tier horror film high concept weird creepy it's asking these weird theological questions going on and then the rest of them are z great they're all horrible yeah. every hellraiser movie after the first one even hellraiser part two fight me on it is garbage there's there's like three alan smithy films in the hellraiser series mm-hmm. and they just keep getting worse you know there's like 11 or 12 of them there's really that many yeah yeah, that, that look in your eye tells me <laughs> tells me how bad this series is. Because you are a giant horror nerd. I am. And you're like, there's 11 Hellraiser movies? I'm like, four of them don't even have Pinhead in it. Like the actor, yeah. Doug Bradley, he's not even in like four of them. I mean, what's Hellraiser without Pinhead? No, Pinhead's in him. Doug Bradley's not in him. They got oh, a, they got a okay. different guy to play oh, him. Okay. I thought you meant like but, they got rid of but, the Pinhead character. But, but, but I'm, oh, I'm not done. They still credited Doug Bradley in it because they used some stock footage. Mm-hmm. They don't credit the guy that stood in for Pinhead. That's how that's how low grade these movies got. Understandable. And Henry Cavill had his first uh, American role in Hellraiser Eight: Hellworld. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that everyone forgets that these. That's that's got to be a thing, right? Like American slasher flicks were a breeding ground for just finding really great actors Absolutely. all of a sudden. Absolutely. You got like Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon's in Friday the Thirteenth, um, fucking Henry Cavill's in Hellraiser. In Hellraiser, yeah. Oh God, Jamie. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis is in Halloween. is Halloween, but I think she was gonna be famous anyway because well, she's the daughter friend. of Jamie Lee Curtis or or um, um, Vivian Lee. Vivian Lee. Yeah. So. You know. Yeah, but I mean, she could have not taken on the the acting world like her parents. That's true. And she did, and it was just you know knocked it out of the park that's that's the beauty of you know these 80s slasher films you find gold in the rough and speaking of slasher movies mm-hmm. my favorite one for the jason series it has to be six well that was the one we went to go see in person right we went to yeah. the drive-in the drive-in for the frida cinema yeah yeah and prior to that i hadn't seen any of the jason movies except for freddy versus jason so i watched one through five so that I could watch six for the very first time on a big screen. And I'm like, but you don't need to do that. They're not they're not that complicated. But I wanted to commit. It's horror. I love horror. Mm-hmm. So it didn't let me down. I thought it was fun. Yeah. I mean it had some interesting kills. It was just an overall good experience getting to see it on uh, the big screen at the drive in. Yeah, which I think is the best way to see these movies is in a group of people yeah. so yeah, even at like a party you sit around the couch you turn on friday the 13th even this one yeah people are gonna talk shit they're gonna point out the bad acting the goofy like effects but they're all gonna have a good time these are great marathon movies great marathon movies because you can kind of pay half attention you're okay going into the other room grabbing a beer grabbing like something to eat coming back and talking shit halfway through it yeah you can and socialize still enjoy the movie. and then you know there's a outrageous kill and then you're like oh my god like you're watching a game and then go back to talking and doing whatever you're doing these are great movies to put on during like halloween yeah where it's like oh i'm having a halloween party i'm just gonna put 
the Friday marathon on in the background while yeah. everybody's doing their thing. And I, I wonder about this, because Friday the 13th is actually the most financially successful slasher series of the 1980s. Really? It made more money than Halloween, than Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, it made more money, even, even out of the 80s, it made more money than every slasher series except Saw. Saw's the only one that made more money for hmm. reasons I don't know. Yeah, I, I never really got into Saw. Any, like, hardcore torture movies, I, I just can't do it. Yeah, I, I would actually say the first Saw is really good because it's more of a psychological thriller, hmm. which is kind of like a lot of horror movies. They yeah. start out as these really taut, you know, tight thrillers with these weird, you know, serial killer things going on. And, and then they get... And undertones. Weird. And then they just get really weird. Yeah. But this is the most successful 80 slasher series. And I've always wondered why that was, because judging by the first movie, because that's what we're talking about, the first movie, it's not that good. And, but people kept coming back to the series. Every time they released the new Friday movie, it was an event. Every single one of them made money. They, I believe not a single one of them was ever a flop. Mm -hmm. Even, even when they made it all the way to part nine, that movie still made money. That movie was garbage. Yeah. Why do people keep coming back to it? Why do people in the horror community keep coming back to Friday the 13th if we've already said the quality of them are not very good? They're not good. They're fun. Yeah. They're fun. They, um, they're iconic. Because everyone wants to go visit Camp Crystal Lake after seeing these movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, they even have tours for some of the camps that have been used for the movies. And people go out there and they flock to it and they take pictures. It's just kind of ingrained in horror culture. Well, I get that now, but I'm wondering why it got ingrained. Well, based, based purely off of the first movie. Because the, the first, first movie, movie is, um, it got horrible reviews. It made its money back. People enjoyed the movie. But it's really weird that this was the one that got all the sequels, right? That dominated in the 1980s, that took over from halloween and just ran with it yeah i mean it's got to be the twist in it that it was the mom that mm -hmm. was doing all the killings and then i think after that it's turned into well what's going to happen next because we do have our final girl that makes it at the end of this movie mm -hmm. so it's probably a, it was at the time a lot of well, what happens to her now yeah and then the story just you know keeps developing and developing so i think that's really what brings people back is what's next it, it is interesting that you say it, because I always thought Friday the 13th had the most lore, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. of all these horror franchises, because we really get to see the development of this entire cinematic universe yeah. really quickly, because the first movie is so... Jason, what's the story of Jason Voorhees? Mm -hmm. Well, he was this kid and he was drowned and his mom went crazy and killed all the counselors. Part two is, well, he didn't exactly drown. He he was shunned and left into the woods and now he's back seeking revenge on the counselors that killed his mom. Mm -hmm. Three is like, well, now he gets the hockey mask and this is a really like organic way. This is the new thing he's using to hide his, you know, ghastly fucking yeah. deformities. Four is when he dies five is you know the effects of jason Voorhees. you know this is people stealing his identity to kill people mm -hmm. six is the resurrection of jason Voorhees, and then 
so, so on, on and, and so, so forth. forth. Yes. They, there's a legitimate timeline and lore that, though is absolutely fucking ridiculous, he's a zombie for God's uh-huh. sakes, makes some amount of sense when you're thinking about it. Part one, two, three, four, five, so on and so forth, make logical, canonical sense to a point. Yeah. Whereas Halloween absolutely does not. Not, no. not even the slightest. No, it's always, how are we going to bring him back and what setting are we going to bring him back in? Yeah, and then Nightmare on Elm Street, more or less the same thing. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, you can accuse them of being the same movie for like six movies in a row. It's just Freddy becomes more of a comedian. Yeah. Even even Scream for, for you know, all the parts you love about it mm-hmm. is, eh, they don't really unfold. Yeah. Really, because they're based really on um, meta-textual mm-hmm. jokes around the horror genre. Yeah. So it, it is interesting. I think that's why Friday, a lot of people attach to it so well, is because it's a, an ongoing narrative, like a comic book. Yes. But, and, uh, and also an easy costume to do at Halloween. Very easy costume to do at Halloween. You've been Jason how many years in a row now? Uh, I think it's like three or four, because it's, it's a hockey mask and a, and a work shirt. And a machete. Yeah. You can even forego the machete. You can just pick up random pointy stuff, and you're good enough. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, boo. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about here? I mean, it's horror. I could talk about anything. Well, it's not horror. It's Friday the 13th. I know, which is part of horror culture. And what do you want to talk about this movie, Friday the 13th? Because we've kind of gone away from the movie. Yeah, we're just talking about general We're horror. just talking about the general horror. We're talking about the franchise, really. Because yeah. that's, that's the problem with this, is the most interesting thing about this is not the movie. It's what comes later from the movie. Yeah. The movie itself, if I had to recommend it to anyone, I would say you watch it if you're curious. Because you'll... You should watch it if you want to understand the ground level of slasher flicks. This is probably the best introduction to a slasher movie if you want to get into slasher flicks. Well, that and it also helps you understand Jason as a character how they're able to thwart him later in other versions of this movie. Yeah. How his tie to his mother is just so strong that it, you know, kind of, that's his kryptonite. I feel that's why the first four films work so well together. Because mm-hmm. two, three, and four in in universe take place over the course of the same two or three days. Yeah. And part one is a really good, like, prequel to that, to those events. Yeah. So it's a really good package as like a six-hour movie mm-hmm. of the first four Friday films. Grant five up is is all bad. I will I will not argue argue that they're all bad, but they're fun. Yeah. That's what I'll say. They're fun. Even the first one, yeah, I would recommend if you're curious and you really want to understand slasher flicks, watch it. And the only other reason is if you kind of want just a really campy, fun, exploitative horror flick because it is fun. Yeah. But what about you? Your thoughts? It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Um, I'm, I'm the kind of person where I need to know the beginning to the end, so that's why I went back and watched it from the beginning. Yeah. It just makes it more sense versus someone that just goes and senselessly kills campers or people in the woods. I mean, I even enjoy the... Um, like the amateur films that are made. Oh, all the Jason fan films? Yeah, I mean, those are amazing. You, you want to know the best part about that is 
because um, Paramount hated the Friday the 13th franchise. Mm-hmm. Even though they always made them money, yeah. they were never financial failures. Paramount was always like, it's around Halloween time. Make a make a Friday movie so we can make some extra cash. Yeah. They absolutely hated it. So, if you wanted to make a fan film, a Jason fan yeah. film back in the 1980s, so, yeah, you could. And they wouldn't, and they did not give a shit. They mm-hmm. couldn't care less. Even up to now, I think even New Line Cinema, who owns the Friday series, even though they haven't done anything with it in 10 years... They don't care. You can use Jason for any of your fan films. Right. And, you know, these people that are considered amateurs make some fantastic films. I'm surprised they... I'm I'm honestly surprised we haven't gotten more Friday the 13th films. Yeah. In, in the vein of, of the original Paramount releases. Mm-hmm. You don't need these to be a $100 million slasher no. flicks. I mean, they make it very simple. Like, I don't know if you've seen um, Jason in the Snow. No, I haven't seen it yet. I actually saw somebody's releasing those on Blu-rays. Are they? I saw them. Somebody, I don't know if it's one of the um, original, like, people who worked on the film. Yeah. Or if it's, like, a a production company. But they're releasing those fan films on, like, Blu-rays, which is kind of cool. Yeah, because, I mean, most of that film, from what I remember, I, I watched it, I think, maybe earlier this year or late last year. It's the Snowy Mountain, a cabin... And maybe one city exterior shot. So it just, you know, it's basically out in the, the elements and it's fantastic. I think that's an interesting thing because you can probably give a lot of these people $10 million, $20 million and just say, okay, you have 20 mil, go somewhere, make me a good slasher flick mm-hmm. within the template of Friday the 13th. You could probably like redo the series. These things will will make money. People show up for yeah. them. But you know, we showed up for this. We but did. Next week, what are we showing up for? Next week is gonna be very special. It's gonna be a treat. It's gonna be a fright night. Fright night, you say? I do because we're gonna be talking about the Chris Sarandon fright night. Ooh, I saw that in the theater. You did, and you have a funny story about that. I do have a funny story about that. I think we that. should save for next week's episode. I think I will save it for next week's episode, but where can they find us next week? Well, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Film Clip Podcast. And if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, we're on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and just about everywhere the podcasts are streamed. Would you like to plug anything? I would like to plug something, and that would be our YouTube channel, In The Frame. You can find this podcast, The Film Club Podcast, or The Horror Club Podcast. I had to say it like that or she hits me. And uh, so you can untrue. also And you can also find the Double Feature Podcast, or the Double Feature Picture Show. That's the podcast I do with my buddy David, where we bring two films together, analyze them, deconstruct them, talk about them, and make fun of them. And the newest addition to the podcast lineup, the Film Odyssey podcast, where me and my brother, on the search for the greatest film of all time, are going through the AFI Top 100 list to, well, find the best movie of all time. The podcast that is nearest and dearest to Dean's heart. Not yet, but it's getting there, the way you keep up. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got for this week. So, stay tuned and stay spooky.